Anybody want to watch me twirl? That's pretty awesome. Anybody got any, got any plates I can spin? Jockey, would you find me another one? Would you help me, dear brother? Hey, before we pray, I want to mention a couple of things. I can't stand this. Get it? Joke. Uh, There's a group of people, a lot of them, our people, that have been praying for 50 hours. Thank you, dear brother. Thank you. And uh, they're down in front of the courthouse downtown Lexington, and it's on between Short Street and Main Street. They call it Tent America. And uh, so I was there yesterday, and uh, I would, it was wonderful. And uh, we're praying for the city. So if you want to go down, they go to 8 o'clock. There's a different worship set every hour. It's a great place to be. Also, we have some special guests in uh, our family today. And Michael and Yumi Creed, are you in the room? Where are you? Right where? I can't see you. Stand up. Come come a little closer. We can see you. Yumi and Michael. Yumi was part of our church when she was at UK. And she and Michael and baby Eugene are moving to Hiroshima to plant a church there. And we're so proud of you. And they will be out in the lobby where you can talk to them. And then is Pastor Newton in the room? One of our pastor friends from India, I think he's speaking to the Ishmael Sunday School class. And I don't know if they're here, Don and Sarah Reed. Are you in the room? Aha! Everyone say good morning, Don. Don't sit, don't, don't sit down. Yumi, are you still back there? Step up a little closer where we can see you. We can get you in the lights. You're too pretty to be back there in the shadows. Uh, Don and Sarah, uh, we raised money to pay for five wells to be drilled in Africa Christmas four years ago. And we're grateful for you guys being with us. And Yumi and Michael, we're glad to have you. Let me just pray. Stretch your hand out to these. Father, we ask for favor for Yumi, Michael, Eugene. Father, for the reeds, we ask that you'd open doors. We ask that you would use these dear ones to further the kingdom of Jesus in faraway places and in local places. We love them and we honor you. As we study the word today, change us forever in Jesus' name. And everyone said amen. Would you give them a round of encouragement? Now, uh, if you're new, we are going through the book of Revelation, and we're in chapter 13. And before we go to chapter 13, I want you to turn to 2 Thessalonians 2, chapter 2, verse 3. The topic of what we're studying today is the rise of the Antichrist. It is not a warm and fuzzy message. I'm telling you, right up front. But I think it will help you. We all need to hear this. And I want to say, I am not saying that everything I put down for you is necessarily all correct. Everybody's off a little bit. 
But I want you to wrestle with the scriptures. It's your job to wrestle with the scriptures. Just don't let somebody else do all the study for you. Now, we skipped Revelation 12 today because I preached on that at Christmas time. And it's, I didn't ever see that that was a wonderful Christmas passage. Study it on your own. You can get on our website and go back and read it. Now, here's the goal for today before we read this passage. It's my job, and if you ever teach the scriptures to a small group, your job is not to tell them what you think. Or what your grandmother said. Or what some guy on TV said. Our job is to look at what is the scripture saying. And uh, you might say, well, if you've read this chapter before, it's a hard chapter. Well, I don't really like it. I don't like it either. So there. Well, I'm not comfortable studying this. I'm not comfortable either. Saturday morning when I went for my prayer time, I was in such a funk, everyone say pastor in a funk, that I was going, oh Lord, how can I even talk about this? This is so hard. This is so heavy. But I'm still going to do it. Because it's what the scripture says. And you say, well, Pastor Steve, do you really believe this in chapter 13? Absolutely. It is the word of God. Now, in this passage, 2 Thessalonians 2, verse 3, Paul says, let no one, what? Let no one deceive you. At the end of the age, the primary game of our enemy against us is going to be deception. And much of the body of Christ is so deceived already. They have no clue. Let no one deceive you, for that day will not come unless the rebellion, the apostasy, the falling away, that's from the the body, comes first. Because the man of lawlessness is revealed, the son of destruction, who opposes and exalts himself against every so-called God or object of worship, so he will actually take his seat in the temple of God, proclaiming himself to be God. Several weeks ago, we talked about the third temple that will be rebuilt in Jerusalem, and that the Jewish folk have already got all the implements ready to go for temple worship, and something happened this past week that should make your eyes open. If you don't know much about it, you may not get it, but five red heifers were delivered to Israel this week. And for temple worship, they have to have a purebred red heifer with not one white hair, not one black hair. And they have to be two years of age. And they were delivered this week, and they're all one year old. And they have to be two-year-old before they can be sacrificed. So that temple will be rebuilt. And all the things we're going to read about will happen. Now let's go to Revelation. Let's go to our main passage. Revelation 13. You got your Bible? Hold your Bible up. Let me see it. You got your Bible? 
Got your Bible? Chapter 13, I saw a beast rising out of the sea with ten horns and seven heads. Ten crowns on his horns and blasphemous names on its head. And the beast that I saw was like a what? A leopard, its feet like a bear's and its mouth like a lion's mouth. And to it the dragon, who is the dragon? That is the devil himself. And to it the dragon gave his power and his throne and great authority. One of the heads seemed to have a mortal wound. But his mortal wound was healed and the whole earth marveled as they followed the beast. They worshipped the dragon. Say worshipped please. For he had given his authority to the beast and they worshipped the beast. And they said who is like the beast? Who can fight against him? And the beast was given a mouth uttering great and haughty and blasphemous words, and it was allowed to exercise authority for 42 months. It opened its mouth to utter blasphemies against God, blaspheming his name and his dwelling, and that is those who dwell in heaven. Also, it was allowed to make war on the saints and to conquer them. An authority was given it over every tribe, people, language, and nation. And all who dwell on the earth will worship it. Everyone whose name has not been written before the foundation of the world in the book of life. I hope your name is in the book of life, the Lamb's book of life. And the Lamb who was slain. And if anyone has an ear, let him do what? Let him hear. Verse 10, I never understood. And maybe I have a little bit of a understanding of verse 10. If anyone is to be taken captive, to captivity he goes. And if anyone is to be slain with the sword, with the sword he must be slain. Now, the Antichrist in the book of Revelation is called one thing. He's called the beast. Everyone say that, please. The beast. He is not called the Antichrist in the book of Revelation anywhere. And he's called the beast 37 times. Now, at the top of your outline, I want you to take your pen and I want you to write down repetition. Write the word repetition. When you see something repeated twice, three times, four times. It's very, very important. It's like Jesus is saying, pay attention. He is called a beast for a couple of reasons. He will think like a beast. He will be vicious like a beast and he will have no capacity for mercy. The scripture says this person will rise out of the sea. It has nothing to do with water. In the scriptures, the sea is portrayed in two different ways. One, 
comes out of the nations of the earth. And those nations are Gentile nations. Do I have any Gentiles in this room? Hold your hand if you're up if you're a Gentile. That would make be most of us. I don't have any Jewish blood. I wish I did, but I don't. But I'm a Gentile, Scotch, Irish background. Or the sea can also mean this. A time of chaos. A time of trouble, difficulty, turbulent. And actually, both illustrations fit chapter 13. Most likely, this man is a progressive, globalist, elite from Western Europe. Now, Western Europe, he could be an American, since a lot of us have American stock. He could come from a Muslim country that's also been part of Europe. We just do not know. But he will step out of the chaos, out of the uncertainty, and place leadership into a place of leadership. Now let me talk about a couple of things. When I say progressive, that's not necessarily a bad word, but when people use that, organizations, churches, individuals use that, normally it means this. I'm rejecting the old ways and turning to new ways and new standards. But unfortunately, often is progressing away from truth. And this man will be the ultimate progressive. He will have new ways, new ways to do business, new ways to do worship, new ways to do government. He will be the ultimate. And his goal is world domination. So he will step out of the chaos and offer order. Offer peace in the midst of a difficult scenario. And the, the sad thing is, most of the world will accept his leadership. And it's coming. It is coming to our world. Now, can I speak just frankly and candidly as a pastor? And I'm not saying I'm right, but I'm concerned about a lot of things. I'm concerned. We seem to be, as a nation, it seems like we've lost our mooring. We're adrift. And we're drifting rapidly in the wrong direction as a nation and as a culture. I cannot believe what's just happened in the last 10 years, the last five years to our beloved country. And I want to leave this country a better country than when I came. I want my kids and my grandkids to have that. But it looks like that is not going to happen. We have leaders in every state, in every city, in Frankfurt, in Washington, who frankly do not Love our country. Well, what do they love? They love themselves. They love themselves. They despise and actually hate the things of God. And they want one thing. Power and control. And all that's going to fit into the coming years. 
They teach our children to do things that will only destroy our children and our families. They think that killing children in the womb is a great thing and is a right that should be pushed. Now, last night, downtown Lexington, we had our people praying in worship. Six blocks away, there was a pagan festival. And I'm not mad at them. They're wounded people. They're wounded, usually young people. But right beside our people, there was a there was a a time of making speeches and celebrating the right for abortion in our country. And they were expecting five to six hundred people. They only got about thirty people to show up. But I'm just telling you, these are the things that we are facing. And this is very serious. They have loaded our nation with crippling debt. I don't know how many have ever been in debt. Hold your hand up. I've been in debt a couple of times and I absolutely hate it. But what has happened and Republicans and Democrats have done this right now. Every person in America If we were to pay off our debt, it would cost $85,000. A family of four, $85,000 for each one. And it's going just like this. I doubt we will ever pay it off. And I don't think these people are dumb. I think it's being done on purpose. Because when something collapses then you can move in and you can take control. They want us dependent on other countries. They want us to be like other countries. They want us to be dependent on the government and a few people at the top, and they do not want us dependent on God. They want God out of the government, God out of the schools, God out of the marketplace, even God out of the churches. And it's not just humans that are doing this. It is dark, unclean spirits who are enemies who are whispering this into the ears and hearts of people that want control. We don't wrestle against flesh and blood. So I'm just telling you what we're up against. Every person on the planet is either following the spirit of God or they're listening to an unclean spirit and they don't even realize it. Now, here's where we come in. Jesus is looking at not at political parties or businesses or schools. He's looking at the body of Christ, which is you, you, you and me. And he's wanting to know, the whole book opens up with, may the churches hear what the Spirit says. If we will turn away from our cold heart and come back to humility and dependence on the Lord and obeying him, or plan B is, are you ready? Chaos and turbulence. And America, we will not recognize. Now, how will it happen? 
Could be an economic collapse. I do not know. I was in uh, Colorado Springs filling up my rental car on Wednesday night, getting ready to come home. And my, my credit card had gotten hacked. So when I tried to get gas, it was declined. It will be a very simple thing to make sure you only do business in an approved way. It could be riots, violence, crime escalating. If the Lord pulls his hand back of protection, it could be a far worse pandemic than we have been through. It could be, God forbid, and I hope I'm wrong on this, it could be war. Serious war. War we've never, ever experienced. Give you an example of how close we're getting. Ezekiel 38 and 39 talks about this last war. It's one of several parallel passages. And it actually mentions the nations that will come against and invade Israel. Russia, Turkey, Iran, Sudan, Libya, and some other ones. This happened two months ago. The leader of Russia, the leader of Iran, and the leader of Turkey pledging mutual support and let's work together. All this is lining up rapidly. Now, so our options are repent and return back to God or a national chaotic storm and Revelation 13 being ushered in all very, very, very quickly. So, This is a church. Most of the church in America, one, they have no idea what the scriptures say. Secondly, they are not paying attention to world events and what's happening right under their nose. We are being set up for Revelation 13. Are you concerned, Pastor? I am very, very concerned, but I also have great faith and great hope that these could be the greatest times in history to be alive. The coming years, I don't know if it's four years or 40 years, the coming years are the times where heroes will be made. Biblical faith. This is the time to have sons and daughters and raise godly grandchildren. This is a time to step into the chaos and say, thus says the Lord. This is a time to step forward and win great victories. This is the time. So I have hope. And the good news, are you ready for the good news? Are you ready for the good news? Here's the good news. What we, what we just read is this man is the last move of the devil. It's his last card. It's his last hand. 
and it's all going to be over and Jesus is going to win. So I have great hope and I'm very excited about what's coming. Now, that was the pre-sermon. Can I get back to the sermon? So there are over 100 passages in the scripture that talk about the Antichrist. 100, over 100. Anti means what? What does anti mean? It means against. If you're anti something, you're against that. So he is anti Jesus. Anti the kingdom of God. Next, some of these verses call him the horn. What do you mean? Everyone say the horn. Well, remember, this beast has how many horns? He's got ten horns. And Daniel says one horn becomes more significant than the others and actually destroys three of the other horns, which means three of these kings will lose their position. But one horn, a blasphemous horn, will stand up and take his place. And he is a fierce-looking king. Point number three, he is a master of intrigue. Working behind the scenes, saying he will do this and actually doing that, making dark alliances. He will be the ruler, Daniel says, who is to come. Point number six, he is a worthless shepherd, pretending to care, pretending to be a safe place, at the same time taking advantage of enslaving people. Point number six, he is a contemptible person. Point number seven, he is a man doomed to destruction. He is the lawless one. Everyone say lawless one. We just read that. What do you mean lawless one? He throws away the old laws and writes his new laws. And then he is the rider on the white horse. When my wife was proofing this uh, this morning, proofing the PowerPoint. She said, well, I thought Jesus was the rider on the white horse. I said, that's later. We studied this in Revelation 6. The first rider on the white horse is a false Messiah. Everything he does is counterfeit. He's a counterfeiter. Satan is. He has seven heads. Why seven heads? Well, I'll try to share with you why. The seven heads reveal the work that Satan used using his henchmen, evil spirits that have manipulated seven empires over the centuries. These are the empires that persecuted Israel. And they will still operate in the coming empire of the Antichrist. What are the seven empires? The first one is Egypt, who enslaved the Jews for 400 years. The second one is Assyria, which is Iraq today. You know, if you don't know something about history, it's kind of hard to understand the present. The third is Babylon. The fourth is Persia. The fifth is Greece. When Alexander the Great died, his empire was divided among four generals. 
And the general, general that took over the region of Israel was a cruel tyrant that massacred the Jews. The next one is ancient Rome. They burned Jerusalem and the temple, put a lot of people into slavery, probably killed a million people in 70 AD. And the last kingdom is the kingdom to come, the future revived Roman Empire, the Antichrist Empire. Now, where do you get that, Steve? Well, just a little quickly. When when Nebuchadnezzar, the king of Babylon, saw this dream of this giant statue, it revealed the empires that would touch Israel at the time. The top is Babylon. Persia's next. Greece is the middle. Rome, the two legs, because the Roman armies moved quickly and rapidly through their roads, and it got divided into east and west empires. But here's the key. This next empire would come from the feet of the statue, and there were how many toes? Ten toes, and they made up they were made up differently. They were made up of iron because they came from the legs, but it was also mingled with clay. So there was an inherent weakness. It would be short-lived. And then Daniel saw a massive stone that was cut out of the mountain without human hands that flew and hit the statue right at the feet and everything came down, which is a picture of the Lord Jesus' victory. Somebody say, Amen. Amen. So there are ten horns, and the ten horns are ten nations at the end of time. They will form a confederacy aligning with the Antichrist. I want you to understand the Antichrist is not a spirit. He's not an angel. He is fully human, but he is a completely demonized or possessed human. Now, this man will be the greatest, most wicked criminal in history. And we have had a lot of criminals from Adolf Hitler to Joseph Stalin to Idi Amin that persecuted the church in Uganda, to Saddam Hussein, to Nero that persecuted the church, that burned Christians alive in the Colosseum, and had the Apostle Paul beheaded, and to this man, Paul Pot, a Marxist leader of Cambodia. It's interesting, Paul Pot came from a wealthy family, He went to France. He learned socialism and communism in France. He came back to Cambodia, helped overthrow the government, and in four years massacred 25% of the population. He later went into hiding. He hid for decades And he died in 1998, and he met his creator. 
And he was judged for being the criminal that he was. The Antichrist will do more evil than all of them put together. His military conquests are comparable to a leopard in swiftness, to a bear in strength, and to a lion in ferocity. And the dragon, Satan, the devil, will give this mortal his own power, give him the throne over these nations, and give him great authority. Now the word given, everyone say given, is used four times in this passage. Remember I told you, pay attention to what? Repetition. The scriptures are communicating something. The word granted is used one time. So these five references are telling us something. What do they tell us? That his authority has only been allowed by God. Evil has its limits at all times. And is limited by God. Point number four. Apparently the beast will receive a mortal head wound. Will seemingly die. And then be raised back to life as a counterfeit to what? What is he counterfeiting? The resurrection of Jesus. Does he actually die? I do not know. It could be staged or he actually could die and be brought back to life by dark evil because God allowed it. Adolf Hitler, there were six assassination attempts on his life. This was 1939 before the war started. One young man said, I know where this is going, and he planted a bomb in the column right behind Hitler. It was on a timer and a fuse, and Hitler left the auditorium 13 seconds before it went off. The Gestapo actually found 42 different assassination attempts on this man's life. Now, This is what the scripture says. Apparently, this supposed miracle will catapult him into national prominence. Why would you say that? It's mentioned three times. And the very next verse says it. Now, in uh, June, Sue and I were in Dallas and I wanted to see Dealey Plaza, where John F. Kennedy was shot. I just always wanted to see that. I wanted to learn more about the story. It was captivating, moving, but still dark. But it would be like this. Kennedy being shot, being certified dead, and a day or two days later, completely recovered from the mortal head wound. That would change everything. 
And this supposed miracle will cause inhabitants of the earth to worship the dragon and to worship the beast. Our enemy, Satan, has always wanted one thing. He's always wanted worship. He was always envious of God the Father because it says five different times the phrase worship. The dragon was worshiped. The beast was worshiped. That is what he was after. It's interesting. I I just thought about this and thought about this. And it is so ironic and in some ways so stupid that the world would reject Jesus but accept the dragon and the beast. The world would not worship the king of all kings and the Lord of all lords, but will worship the dragon and worship the beast. Sounds like humans are very gullible. Next, Antichrist will be one of the greatest orators who ever lived. He will be captivating. People will flock to hear him. He will fill coliseums. He will be on the news. He will be on podcasts. People will share the wonders of this dynamic man. And he will speak toward two things. One is great things, even haughty things, which is those things, solutions to the world problems and make promises that he will never, ever keep. Spellbinding. This is the other thing he will do. It's called blaspheme. Everyone say blaspheme. Do you know what blasphemy is? It happens all the time in our culture. No one even says, well, you shouldn't say that. It's insulting God. You can insult a lot of people. Don't insult the Father, the Son, Holy Spirit. It will not go well for you. Or showing contempt for the person of God. That is blasphemy. Four different times it's used. It's also, you can blaspheme by claiming to be God. Like before the world was created, Lucifer, one of the archangels, he was envious. And he said... A most honored man, a most cherished cherub for him to say, I want to be like God. And so the beast will regularly, deliberately, consistently, daily attack the character of God. He will assault Across the airwaves. The nature of God. What's the difference between the character of God and the nature of God? The character of God is who he is. The nature of God is what he is like. And he will even mock people who believe in the existence of the one true God. Does anybody know who this guy is? Anybody? 
This is Joseph Goebbels. He was Adolf Hitler's, this is his title, the chief propagandist of the Nazi party. Now you would think if he told you right up front, you saw it on his desk, you saw it on his door, you saw it on his his sign where he parked his whatever he drove. I'm the chief propaganda guy. Why would you listen to him? He's the chief liar. Pants on fire. And he had this favorite saying he would whisper into Adolf Hitler's ear. And they together proved Goebbels to be right. Here's what they said. If you tell a lie long enough, passionately enough, strong enough to the German people, they will believe it because they are gullible. Friends, that's what's happening to our nation right now. Some good news. The beast, the Antichrist, is allowed to be, he's allowed, again, he is allowed, he is allowed to be in his position for how long? Exactly 42 months, exactly three and a half years. Why do you know that, Pastor? Because the book of Revelation says it how many times? Five. Again, repetition. For our benefit, five times. He is limited. But during his time, point number seven, what is he going to do? He's going to wage war against two groups. The Jews and Christians during this time. Where do you get that? It says it right in the text. And it seems like he will be winning the war because the scripture says he will overcome them. How will he overcome them? By persecuting them and killing them. Look at this poor Christian in China. Being arrested on her way to prison and torture because she's a follower of Jesus. Last week, sitting right there in that in the seats on the front row at our second service, I had some friends in town. And they are from the country of Jordan. And while your pastor was in Jordan in May, they took care of me and the ones on our team. We had a military escort. They took care of our meals. They took care of our hotels. They took care of our airfare. They were always with us. They were protecting us. They treated us like royalty. We ate at their home. They were... they were amazingly kind to us. And so they came to America and we loved on them and honored them. And I was, the king protects them at their work, the king of Jordan. And I and four others had a chance to have an audience with the king of Jordan. And I heard the king, we were together for 45 minutes. I'm like a nobody, but I'm there listening And he says this. He's an amazing man. 
He said, I am a Muslim. But I am grateful for the influence of Christianity in my country. And I treasure the Christians in this country. I want them to come back. And I will protect them. I will bless them. And he said, I will go on record saying, I want to make sure Christianity has a strong influence and presence in my country. And so I'm preaching and I'm looking at my my wonderful, gifted, influential Jordanian, Jordanian friends. And I realized during this time, Christians and Jews will run to Jordan for protection. I went, oh my goodness, I'm watching the scriptures come alive. Good news again. I don't want you to be afraid. I want you to have hope. I want you to get into battle. He will persecute Jews and Christians and he will overcome them seemingly. But the previous chapter said they would overcome him. Someone say, praise the Lord. With three weapons by the blood of the lamb. The protective shield. The sign of forgiveness, the sign of kinship, the bloodline being drawn over the doorpost, the lentils in our hearts. The second weapon that Christians will use is a word of their testimonies. Folks, Christianity is growing faster today than ever before, and it will explode during the last years of earth because of the blood of the lamb because Christians will realize all this stuff I've cared about doesn't matter I'm going to tell people about Jesus and I'm going to do it every day and millions if not billions will come to Christ because people like us share a faith I want to ask you if you've never been trained why don't you get trained to share the gospel You can become good at it. You can have confidence in it. You can lead lots of people to Jesus if you'll just get a little experience and some tools under your belt. Here's the third thing that brings a victory. They choose to die for their faith. That's commitment. Rather than deny Jesus. And verse 11 says, because they did not love their lives, even to the point of death. Now the scripture says this wicked man will have authority and be worshipped in all the nations of the earth. That's what the scripture says. But I have more good news for you that does not mean That this wicked criminal will dominate every nation. He will not. It does not mean that every person on the planet will worship him. They will not. I love this wonderful photo of devout women that love Jesus. Worshiping under the chance of being arrested for their faith. And they're going to worship Jesus and pray to him. Even if it means they go to jail. 
Some nations will resist him. And those are found in Daniel chapter 11. It will not be as easy as a beast thinks it will be. He will come for the surprise of his life. And many unbelievers, unbelievers, unbelievers will resist him too. They're not followers of Christ. But they're just saying, I'm not putting up with this. I'm not doing that. And they're not telling me what to do. And so therefore, they become what I call the resistors. It's almost like the French resistance in World War II. Nope, not me. I'm not bowing to that. I'm not going to be a part of that. I'm out of here. And... They are, and again, I don't have all the answers. I don't know how this works. But they will be those who survived the tribulation, but they never gave their heart to Jesus. That's bad. That's very bad. They don't worship the beasts, but they do not give their heart to Jesus. And there's some hints when the scripture talks about those who are left more good news millions if not billions will be saved you see this photo this is a baptism service in a closed country where it is against the law to give your heart to Jesus and against the law to get baptized and these guys are saying I'm going to follow Jesus even if I go to jail. What we're talking about is the church's finest hour. And those who get saved, my guess, during these years will then populate or repopulate the millennial earth. After Jesus comes back, a lot of mystery. We'll talk about that down the road. But Jesus will reign from Jerusalem for 1,000 years. And a lot of these people that have come to love him will start families. And will start living life again. It will be a wonderful time. Worship team, would you guys come on out, please? So here's what Jesus says. This this is how he kind of sums up. He sums up this communication. He's given John to tell us. If you have an ear, how many have an ear? Hold your hand. Do you have an ear? You might even have a spare on the other side. If you have an ear, you should pay attention. You should read this. You should mark it. You should study it. You should think about it. You should discuss it with your family. If you have an ear, let him hear. Unfortunately, most Christians in America don't even know, they don't read the Bible, they've never read Revelation, they don't even know this exists, and they are going to be tricked. Because they didn't want to know. Now verse 10 is a puzzling verse. And I read it for years. I had no clue what John was talking about. I have a little clue now, just a little clue. But our Savior wraps this this passage up by asking his people to accept 
persecution when it comes. Do you realize persecution is going on every day around the world? Christians are paying a heavy price to serve Jesus and to love Jesus and to do so with faith. Why am I willing to take persecution? Because it's the right thing to do. It's what Jesus wants. But I have to be tough. I have to endure. I have to get up and do it again the next day. I have to forgive my attackers. I have to share the gospel. And God has chosen some people to be imprisoned. Look at these Chinese Christians that have been beaten and are going away for sentencing. All because they love Jesus. You know what? If they have to have it, what makes us think in America we're so special? And like this poor pastor, some Christians will give their lives for Jesus. Say the verse with me, please, from the Sermon on the Mount. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. I want to close with this. Maybe you're watching online, you live in another country, another state, or maybe you're here in the room with us, and you've never given your heart to Jesus. You've kind of been a resistor. You're hard-headed, or maybe you're afraid, but you just haven't surrendered. Why don't you do that now? You could be seven, or you could be age 70. Why don't you get your name put in the book of life? And you can pray with me right now, right where you are, right as you watch online. You could say, Jesus, I'm sorry for all the junk in my life, my heart. I'm sorry for hurting people. I'm sorry for being stubborn and arrogant and fearful. But today, I'm ready to make you my Savior. Come into my heart. Be my Savior and Lord. And give me a home in heaven and cleanse me of every sin. And use me for your glory in Jesus' name. If that was you, why don't you email our church? If you're in the room, why don't you come with one of the prayer folk and tell them what you just did? But for the rest of us, There's a captivating verse that fits. First Chronicles 12, verse 32 says, There was a group of warriors, a group of mighty men that were different than everybody else in the nation. They were from Issachar, the tribe. And they understood the times. And they knew what to do. And I would pray that the Lord We would be like those men of Issachar. We would understand the times. We would fear the Lord. We would would be burdened to bring him honor and glory. So as we worship during these last minutes, I'm just going to open the, the altar for you to come and do business with the Lord. Maybe you need to pray for faith. That God will keep you strong. Maybe you need to pray for strength. There's something I pray for. We need wisdom. How many need wisdom? Hold your hand up. Without wisdom, I'm going to get deceived. So whatever you need, come to the altar. Humble yourself before the Lord. 
and let him help you.
If the cross brings transformation, then I'll be crucified with you. Cause death is just the doorway into resurrection life. If I join you in your sufferings, then I'll join you in your eyes. When you're returning glory, all the angels and the saints, my heart will still be singing, my soul will be the same. Oh, Christ be magnified, let his praise arise, Christ be magnified. that bridge again so I think that we should do that again right now yeah let's do it so that I won't bow down we won't bow down to idols God and I won't bow down to idols I'll stand strong and worship you if it puts me in the fire I'll rejoice cause you're there too I won't be formed by feelings I hold fast to what is true If the cross brings transformation I'll be crucified with you Cause death is just a doorway Into resurrection life If I join you in your sufferings I'll join you in your rise When you're returning great courage and great faith. Give us patience and endurance and equip us for the battle ahead. And thank you that you are victorious in Jesus' name. Everyone said amen.
Go serve him well. Pick up your children. If you need prayer, there's people here to pray with you. God bless you. Thank you for joining us online at Church of the Savior today. We hope you were encouraged to grow in your walk with Jesus. If you made a decision to follow Jesus for the first time today, please reach out to us. We would love to help you take your next step. Please visit our website for information on upcoming events and how you can connect with the COS family. There's also a prayer request form where you can let us know how we can pray for you. Thanks again for tuning in. We hope to see you next week.